You're listening to Rocky Mountain Cryptids. It was a bit of a colder night than it had been the following week. Lucas laid in bed listening to the wind mixed with the snow hit up against the house. The siding creaked ever so slightly every time, giving it a haunting sound. He stared up at the ceiling thinking of the following day. How will he face Augustus, the town bully? It was only last month that Augustus pushed his little sister Anna into the raging icy river, making the whole town have to get together to rescue her. The adults still believed that she was just irresponsible and was playing on the thin ice, but he and some of the other kids knew better. Foolish adults, Lucas uttered under his breath. A creek above him broke his thought. I'm tired of this old creaky house, Lucas huffed and flipped to his side. Lucas, are you awake? A little voice said from behind him. Lucas flipped over and looked at the little girl at his bedside. Anna? Can't sleep either? Anna crawled into Lucas's bed and looked at him with a finger to her mouth and wide eyes. Shh, he's here. Just then, a thud was heard on the roof along with footsteps. Who is here, Anna? Lucas panicked as they both put the covers over their head. Another sound was heard right after, bipedal hoof steps. St. Nicholas, Anna peeped as she peered out from under the sheets. Just then, the bedroom door creaked and the light from the hallway shined in. There in the doorway stood St. Nicholas himself, a rounded older man with a long white beard and long red and white robes that looked to keep him warm. He smiled a crooked smile and winked as he placed a couple sweet, juicy oranges and chocolates on the bedside table. Anna's eyes lit up and her mouth watered. It's been a while since they had any sweets. Lucas raised an eyebrow and looked at St. Nicholas, then looked up towards the ceiling. St. Nicholas let out a jolly laugh. Nothing for you kids to have to worry about. So it's true then. You do travel with another, Lucas blurted out. The bedroom door creaked open once again. There, instead of the happy presence, stood something more foreboding. Anna whimpered as she looked around St. Nicholas to take a view of the new visitor. The same hoof sounds that were above are now in the bedroom. The presence moved closer into view and Lucas wanted to scream. The creature stood well over St. Nicholas. Lucas estimated he must have been about seven feet tall. He had dark brown hair covering his whole body, long goat-like horns, and the whites of his eyes were barely visible as the pupils took up most of the space. Almost an empty, soulless look to them. He walked forward on his two back hooves and looked at St. Nicholas, his nostrils flaring. You're taking longer than usual, he spoke in a raspy voice. His long pointed tongue made out the words Lucas heard. He then looked over at Lucas and Anna and smirked, showing his long fangs. These two aren't being any trouble, are they? St. Nicholas chuckled with a twinkle in his eye. No, Krampus. They were actually asking about you, I believe. Krampus scrunched up his long nose as he looked them over once again, then turned around and said in a nasty tone, I got one naughty child collected already tonight. Don't you two be putting your noses where they don't belong? His laugh was deep as he turned around to show a basket on his back while taking out a long birch stick attached to his side. Krampus then slapped it in the air to make a snap and a muffled sound came from the basket. Anna and Lucas's eyes went wide and before Lucas could shush his sister, she spoke, who's in there, you monster? Krampus loomed over Anna, his face inches away from her. She could feel the hot breath with the smell of decay. Me, a monster? Why, it wasn't I who pushed you into the river or tormented your friends. He licked his lips with his sharp tongue. Now, Nick, time to move to the next house. I have more to collect. St. Nicholas nodded and together they left the bedroom. 
Lucas looked towards his sister as tears began to fill her eyes. You don't think that was Augustus, do you? Anna wiped away her tears and started to laugh as she popped one of the chocolates into her mouth that St. Nicholas brought and finally said, funny, isn't it? The monster taking away the monster. Lucas looked at Anna in surprise and shook his head. He definitely won't be missed. And with that, the children giggled, eating the rest of their goodies and heading off to sleep. The next morning, there was talk all throughout the town. Augustus was missing. The rumor went around he must have fell into the river, since he went down there frequently to toss rocks at the wildlife. But only Lucas and Anna knew the truth. Krampus had taken him away. So hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rocky Mountain Cryptids. We hope you enjoyed the short story of Krampus, and we'll talk a little bit more about him later on. So I hope you guys are enjoying this holiday season. Um, I think this is going to be our last episode for the year, as we'll be taking a Christmas break and working more behind the scenes on the podcast. So expect a lot of new changes for the new year. As well, we welcome back Brian with us on this Christmas episode. Hello, everybody. It's great to be back. What do you guys think of the story? <laughs> that was really good. That <laughs> was kind of sad, though. Well, but then you, oh, you mentioned that like the child was also an animal abuser at the very end, and I'm like, okay, maybe it's just fun. <laughs> like yeah he kind of deserved what he got he literally <laughs> attempted murder yep yep pushing people into icy murders <laughs> yeah it's like oh no <laughs> he had to find something that would like actually make him mm. worthy of going yeah. to krampus so. yeah. naughty or nice <laughs> terrible so the origin of krampus is a little unclear as he may have been pre-christian origins his name is derived from the german word krampen meaning claw Krampus was thought to have been part of pagan rituals for the winter solstice. According to legend, he is the son of Hel, the Norse goddess of the underworld, who is also the daughter of Loki. So that makes Loki his granddad. (laughs) (laughs) With the spread of Christianity, Krampus became associated with Christmas, despite efforts by the Catholic Church to ban him. He is described as a horned anthropomorphic figure in Central and Eastern Alpine folklore, who during the Christmas season assists St. Nicholas. The pair visit children on the night of December 5th, with St. Nicholas rewarding the well-behaved children with modest gifts such as oranges, dried fruit, walnuts, and chocolate, while the badly behaved ones only receive punishment from Krampus with birch rods. Krampus is usually covered in brown or black fur, cloven hooves, horns like a goat, and a long pointed tongue with sharp fangs. He carries whips or birch branches in some cases and chains and thrashes them around for a dramatic effect. She's a little bit of a drama queen. Sometimes Krampus appears with a sack or a basket strapped to his back. This is to cart off evil children for drowning, eating, or transport to hell. Festivities involved in Krampus include the Krampus off, Krampus run, and in this activity, which often involves alcohol, people dressed as the creature parade through streets, scaring specters and sometimes chasing them. So that honestly actually sounds kind of fun. It sounds more like Halloween. I know, it's more like a Halloween night. I don't want to go to um, Krampus Loft. <laughs> Europeans have been exchanging greeting cards, even featuring Krampus, since the 19th century, usually in German sayings, such as greetings from Krampus, in which the cards usually have humorous rhymes and poems. Krampus is often featured looming menacingly over children. And in some cards, Krampus has sexual overtones, he is pictured pursuing curvy women. 
What? <laughs> he was pictured pursuing her. <laughs> she has a type. <laughs> Over time, the representation of Krampus in the cards has changed, being older versions having more frightening Krampus, while modern versions have a cuter, more Cupid like Krampus. How is he like Cupid? <laughs> Chasing his curvy woman. <laughs> little wings and obviously with krampus there is also saint nicholas jolly old saint nicholas aka santa where do we start saint nicholas of myra was an early christian bishop of greek descent from the maritime city of myra because of the many miracles attributed to his intercession he is also known as nicholas the wonder worker saint nicholas and the patron saint of sailors merchants, archers, repentant thieves, children, brewers, pawnbrokers, unmarried people, and students in various cities and countries around Europe. He also has a legendary habit of secret gift giving, which gave rise to the traditional model of Santa Claus, aka Saint Nick, through Sinterklaas. Now the Feast of Sinterklaas celebrates the named day of Saint Nicholas on December 6th. The feast is celebrated annually with the giving of gifts on St. Nicholas Eve, which is the 5th of December. St. Nicholas is described as an elderly, stately, and serious man with white hair and a long, full beard. He wears a long red cape or chasuble over a traditional white bishop's elb and sometimes red stole, as well as dons a red bishop hat and a ruby ring. He also holds a gold color crossier, which is a long ceremonial shepherd staff with a fancy curled top. He traditionally rides a white horse. In the Netherlands, the last horse was called a Marigo, but he was pensionized in 2019 and replaced with a new horse called Ozo Sneel, which means oh so fast. So I hope I said that right. <laughs> After a passage in a well-known Sinterklaas song. So, in one of the earliest attested and most famous incidents from his life, he said to have rescued three girls from being forced to prostitution by dropping a sack of gold coins to the window of their house each night for three nights so their father could pay a dowry for each of them. Other early stories telling of him calming a storm at sea, saving three innocent soldiers from wrongful execution, and chopping down a tree possessed by a demon. (laughs) <laughs> i've never heard of a tree being possessed by oh next time on <laughs> demons and trees <laughs> oak tree <laughs> so how did saint nicholas become santa that we know today well the tradition started with father christmas and he dates back to as far as the 16th century in england during the reign of henry the eighth when he was pictured as a large man in green or scarlet robes lined with fur He typified the spirit of good cheer at Christmas, bringing peace, joy, good food, wine, and revelry. As England no longer kept the feast day of St. Nicholas on December 6th, the Father Christmas celebration was moved to the 25th of December to coincide with Christmas Day. Now, prior to Christianization, the Germanic peoples, including the English, celebrated a midwinter event called Yule. With the Christianization of Germanic Europe, Numerous traditions were absorbed from Yuletide celebrations into modern Christmas. During this period, supernatural and ghostly occurrences were said to increase in frequency, such as the Wild Hunt, a ghostly procession throughout the sky, 
The leader of the wild hunt is frequently attested as the god Odin. His role during the Yuletide period had been theorized of having influenced concepts of St. Nicholas in a variety of faucets, including his long white beard and his gray horse for nightly rides, compared to Odin's horse, Slapnir, or his reindeer, in Northern American tradition, the appearance of Santa Claus or Father Christmas, whose day is the 25th of December, owes much to Odin, the blue hooded, cloak, white bearded gift bringer of the North, who rode the midwinter sky on his eight-foot steed, Slapnir, visiting the people with gifts. Odin transformed into Father Christmas, then Santa Claus, prospered with St. Nicholas, and the Christ child became the leading play of the Christmas stage. So that's a little bit about Krampus and St. Nicholas and how Santa Claus came to be. That there seems to be a lot of different like cultures and different countries all put together and we kind of just combine it all and we get Santa Claus. And then Coca-Cola branded it. <laughs> <laughs> Did Coca-Cola really? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so I found a, f- a few fun Christmas interesting creatures, you Ooh. could say. <laughs> the first one is pretty fun, actually. Now, the next one I'm going to talk about is a Welsh midwinter tradition where celebrants can earn food or drink by engaging in a battle of poetry. Now, it's called Mary Laud. So, Mary Laud, around Christmas and New Year's Eve, Welsh families might find themselves challenged by a dead decorated horse or similar animal skull waiting for them on their doorstep. (laughs) Adorned in colorful ribbons and bells, the equine image of death has an especially ghostly appearance, thanks to the white sheet draped over the person carrying it, normally with a stick. (laughs) I'm going to do this to you. (laughs) I have a bovine skull, it's not a horse skull, but I'm going to decorate it and then like go in front of your house. Oh, that would make my dash and so angry. <laughs> like release your dash after me. <laughs> so as revelers sing and parade this head on a stick around the neighborhood, doors will open to meet the morbid white horse in battle, specifically a battle of wits through poetry. <laughs> Despite often being associated with Christmas, Mary Laud is a pre-Christian pagan practice. In fact, some Welsh regions choose to parade their horse skulls through town for other holidays, such as Halloween or May Day. Though the tradition's exact origins are murky, the image of a white horse has been a powerful symbol in the United Kingdom for at least 3,000 years. Wow. The practice also incorporates the centuries-old tradition of wassailing. So the word wassail comes from the Middle English phrase was hail, which means to be in hell. So wassail was originally a sugared and spiced drink of mulled ale, curdled cream, roasted apples, and eggs. I want to make this. It's like an alcoholic beverage. <laughs> Those who partook in sharing a huge bowl of this boozy mixture were wassailing. The term evolved to describe the custom of begging for booze around Christmas time at people's houses, a time when poor merrymakers expected generosities that would usually be denied to them throughout the rest of the year. They'd arrive at the doorsteps of wealthier neighbors and ask to drink from the wassailing bowl or have their own bowl filled. (laughs) That's kind of a nice little (laughs) sharing the wealth or like the interesting, interesting drink. I, I don't know. It kind of sounded like eggnog because yeah, there was eggs roasted, but then curdled cream. I don't know. It sounds like they're mixing in curdled cream. I don't know why though. 
I don't know how that would make it taste better. Yeah, I thought that was really nice. I, I think we should bring that back. People going around Again, I, <laughs> like I think carolers. Become more celebrate Yuletide than anything. <laughs> <laughs> you and your horse going around. <laughs> And then we'll engage in a, a rap battle of oh, of slam poetry. <laughs> I love that idea. We should bring this next next Christmas. We're bringing this back. <laughs> so another fun little friend I wanted to talk about was the Tom Ten. So the Tom Ten or the Tom Ta are solitary, mischievous domestic spirits responsible for the protection and welfare of a farmstead and its buildings, and it's from Scandinavian folklore. Oh. <laughs> so the Tomta are creatures originally believed to stem from the soul of the first farm owner, then becoming a spirit figure, ensuring the farm's continuous care over the years. The, the Tomta have a love for tradition, and they don't like change. They are ancestral figures who demand respect, Farms were often isolated and inhabitants lived through long, dark winters. The Tomta figures sprang from their imaginations and became companions to keep solitude at bay. Tomta literally means homestead man and is derived from the word tomped, which means homestead or building. Nisi, as they are called in Norway, is derived from the name Niels, which is the Scandinavian form of St. Nicholas. The Tomta is described as a little old man, three feet high, with a long white beard, wearing gray, brown, or navy clothes with traditional boots and sporting a bright red cap on his head. It sounds like a little gnome. Yeah. <laughs> There's some really cute little, like, storybooks with them in them, really? <laughs> like Scandinavian storybooks. Oh my god, can we read these for children? <laughs> <You should. laughs> There are different dress codes for the different types of tomtes. The ones living in the stables with the animals wear mostly gray clothes, while the ones in the main house are dressed more neatly, combining some color with the gray, such as blue or dark green. The tomta, residing in the pantry and the barn, watching over the household and farm, they are responsible for the care of the house and farm animals, especially the much-valued horses. Tomta have an enormous capacity for work, but will not tolerate anyone's interference. A sure way to offend a Tomta is rudeness. Maids or farm workers swearing, dirty outhouses and stables, or not treating creatures well are all things that would incur his disapproval. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so they're kind of like little guardians of the farm. I want one. <laughs> if anyone spills anything on the floor of the house, it is advised to shout a warning to the Tomta so that they don't fall into the puddle. If they are ever offended in any way, they could play all kinds of pranks such as binding all cows' tails together, turning objects upside down, or breaking things. <laughs> Poor cows. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, they kind of sound like grumpy spirits or fae or ghosts. Yeah, I was going to say, like, fairies kind of more. It is believed that a clean and orderly home or farm is an indication that a domestic tomta spirit resides there. When people moved from the countryside into the cities, they brought their tomta with them. He sleeps under the floorboards during spring and summer and starts waking up when the days get long and cold around the winter solstice. Then they start preparing the home for Christmas, cleaning, washing, ironing, preparing all Christmas food, baking and sweet making. Their presence is very much cherished by the sweet city dwellers and country folks alike. 
Well, I, they better be. After <laughs> <laughs> all that work. They're like little Cinderella. Yeah. It's <laughs> not fair. <laughs> the Tomta require very little from humans they work for. They demand only the respect and trust of the homeowner and a bowl of jolgrot, which is Christmas porridge with butter for Christmas Eve. <laughs> We should make this. I'll make all <laughs> these different like, pagan drinks and food items, puddings. These spirits, though, will not remain in a home where respect is lacking, and thus the farm or home will not thrive and the inhabitants will be reduced to poverty. The Tomta considers porridge his due and loves butter. In the old days, butter was a luxury consumed only on special occasions. The spirit of the Tomta is still very much alive today in towns and in the countryside. They are welcome, invisible companions when the days get darker and longer and one has to start all the preparations for Christmas. From the Tomta figure, the Scandinavians adopted the St. Nicholas figure or the popular representation of Father Christmas. In this version, the Tomta is portrayed as an older, good-natured, adult-sized man, unsurprisingly the size of an uncle or father, with a long white beard and a red hat and suit. He carries a sack of toys on his back, visits children in their homes on Christmas Eve, and always asks, are there any good children here? Many believe he lives in the North Pole, where he has his workshop. I love that. But I like the older version of the Tom. <laughs> yeah, they sound really cute. I want some in my house. I'll get a to do my chores. I'll appreciate you. <laughs> the workshop thing almost sounds like the Sanchez elves kind of thing. Oh, yeah. I wonder if that's where they came from, like the elves. I don't know. Could be parts of it. They'd probably be better than elves. They sound like harder workers. <laughs> <laughs> you should be working with the Tom Tas. Tom Ten? Yeah, Tom Ten or Tom Ta. <laughs> Not elves. No elf on a shelf. They are pretty mischief. Like, I don't know. The elf on a shelf kind of scares me. Like when the Yeah, I thought it's creepy, there. but like I never had it as a kid. Like no, it's kind of a new thing. Yeah, like, elf on a shelf. <laughs> it's like the they'll move the elf around and then make it seem like the elf is watching, making sure you're good <laughs> the children are good before um, Santa comes. It's like a way of <laughs> So like put it in the cookie cupboard. Yeah, and there'll be like crumbs. They'll put like crumbs around it. Yeah. I saw one like there was a TikTok where the mom literally cut up her children's PJs while they were sleeping, <laughs> and then put the put all of the all the little patterns or whatever on the on the little elf <laughs> on a shelf, and with his scissors, and it looked like he did it. <laughs> How do you know he didn't do it? Well, because they're sleeping, they didn't know. Yeah, yeah, it makes them seem like they gotta behave or he's watching, so they make him come alive a little bit. <laughs> That's funny though. I remember my mom saying, like, Santa's watching, and I was like, How? Where is he? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't think so. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, my selection's a little more creepy. (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping that one of us had it. (laughs) Yeah, nice to have some lighter Christmas elements. So I picked Perchta. The legend of Frau Perchta comes from an Austrian and Bavarian tradition, and Perchta is more well-known with her other name, Frau Birchta, who is popularized by the Brothers Grimm. Perchta is also associated with Birchta, the Germanic goddess of abundance, who is demonized by the Catholic Church and referred to as a witch. Perchta oh. <laughs> is also known as Bertha, an Spinstubenfrau, or spinning room lady. <laughs> That's a fun title. <laughs> Sorry. She's kind of a weird character. <laughs> Perchta 
Birchta or Perched, which means the bright one, is related to the name Birchtentag, which indicates the Feast of Epiphany. She is generally referred to as a wild character who belonged to the forest. Frau Perchta is depicted as a crone dressed in rags with a beaked nose made of iron. Sometimes she carries a cane, but almost always she carries a long, sharp knife that she keeps hidden beneath her skirts. It reminds me of Yzma from The Emperor's New Group. Oh! Oh, Oh, was also said to roam the countryside at midwinter to enter homes during the 12 days between Christmas and Epiphany, especially on the 12th night. In the Alpine regions of Austria, Perchta was believed to be a safeguard and well-wisher of the good people, while she also severely punished the bad. This tradition led to young men to dress up like evil spirits to banish those who accompanied Frau Perchta. Along with the other rituals which followed was the protective smoking of the house and the burning of special herbs during winter. These customs were believed to liven up the spirits of the new year, which rested under the snow cover on the soil. During medieval times, the church even recorded instances when food was left for Perchta at night by sinners in order to obtain prosperity and well-being for the coming year. Perchta is also associated with spinning and the spindle. During summer, while the shepherds bring her flax, she in turn blesses their flocks. She's often spotted walking along steep slopes with a golden spindle in her hand. Perchta is said to be very particular about finishing spinning on time, and any delay in spinning is said to bring bad fortune to people responsible. (laughs) She's got her priorities. (laughs) Yep. She rewards those who are hardworking and generous and punishes the idle and greedy. She also punishes women for unkept households and unspun flax or wool. <laughs> it's like really hard on people who don't get their spinning done. <laughs> for those perched to deems good, a silver coin is left for them in a shoe or pail. If she deems you unworthy, if you forget to leave out a bowl of porridge for her, if your flax is half spun and unfinished, then you suffer her wrath. Perchta's punishment of choice involves slashing open your stomach so that she may violently rip out your intestines, which she then replaces with straw, rocks, and garbage. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't get your spinning done on time. (laughs) She basically murders you. (laughs) That's a great tale, though, to, like, force your kids to work. She's gonna come get you. (laughs) Tell your tummy with garbage. (laughs) Oh my goodness. She would also slit people's bellies open and stuff them with straw if they ate something on the night of her feast day, other than traditional meal of fish and gruel. Oh, (laughs) The tradition of having goose for Christmas is sometimes linked to witches like Perchta, who often is depicted as having a goose foot, along with the belief that goose fat enabled witches to fly. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, if you eat it, you get its powers, like... Or it's like, do you have to rub it on like a broom? (laughs) Or like, oh, it's like a wax. (laughs) Yeah, like wax your skis, wax your broom. (laughs) Frau Perchta was also associated with the wild hunt that we talked about a little bit earlier. She'd fly through the night sky while accompanied by her demonic perchton or straggle. Elves and unbaptized babies. Come on, children. This lady is iconic. Like, oh my goodness. There's so much about this character. So wait, the babies flew behind her. 
I, I don't know if it's a, a metaphor they followed her. Like, <laughs> they're all little brooms. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it gets better. <laughs> uh, so now we're going to go into the Strago, which accompanied Perchta. So in many places, like in Switzerland, Perchta rides with a group of demonic-looking helpers known as Strago. According to the traditions, their hairy nature... Long horns and demonic faces resemble Krampus. So the mini Krampuses. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Strago love to partake of the feast offerings left out for them on Christmas by people hoping for Perchta's blessings of wealth and good health in the new year. Sometimes Perchta lets the Strago punish bad children instead. They take full advantage of this opportunity and aren't terribly discerning as they rob all the bad children. Then they gather the children up and fly away with them only to rip them up to pieces during the flight and coat the snow with their blood. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so this kind of connects the more ominous association of the wild hunt, as seeing like wild hunt was thought to be an omen of catastrophe, like war or plague, or at best the death of one who witnessed it. So people encountering the hunt might also be abducted to the underworld or the fairy kingdom. Well, I don't know if these uh, kids, like if they get carried away and killed, are they like, now forever following perched uh, around. Oh God, there's this. just millions of babies <laughs> flying behind her because <laughs> they weren't baptized. And then I'm just going to go a little bit more into the wild hunt, uh, just because it's good to know a little more about it. So across Central, Western, and Northern Europe, the wild hunt is a well-known folk myth of a ghostly leader and a group of hunters and hounds flying through the night sky, accompanied by the sounds of the howling wind. The supernatural hunters are recounted as either the dead, elves, or in some instances, fairies. In northern tradition, the wild hunt was synonymous with great winter storms or changes of the season. The hunt was said to pass through the forest in the coldest, stormiest times of the year. Anyone found outdoors at that time would be swept up into the hunting party involuntarily and dropped miles from their original location. Practitioners of magic may have sought to join the berserkers in spirit while their bodies remained safely at home. The myth originally began as a hunt led by a god and goddess visiting the land during a holy holiday, bringing blessings and accepting offerings from people. It could be heard by the people in the howling winds, but later became known as a pack of ghouls with malicious intent. And one leader figure that appears in the majority of versions is Odin, at least talked about earlier. But uh, Frau Perchta also appears as a leader of the wild hunt. So during the last three Thursdays before Christmas, you will hear the sounds of thunder and wind roaring. However, it really is Frau Perchta leading the wild hunt. So yeah, lots of Christmassy cryptids and supernatural beings there's a lot of uh examples of like rewarding the good and punishing the bad you don't necessarily have to do a lot of bad to get punished no really just don't spin your flax apparently yeah don't finish your work or get in the garbage (laughs) (laughs) i like that there was the the cute (laughs) christmas things yeah With the horse parading around the school. (laughs) I like that. Seems fun, though. Yeah. Seems like a fun way to get your neighborhood together. (laughs) Similar to caroling in the Western tradition, I think. It's kind of like that, yeah. You go around basically asking for drinks (laughs) and poetry. (laughs) I think we should bring this back. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of cool traditions that just aren't done anymore. Especially there's a lot of Yule traditions. It's almost like a good way to connect the community. Like the coldest days of the year. But we know what happens on the coldest days of the year. The Wendigo comes. The Mothman? No, the Wendigo. I think that we need to bring back more 
pagan traditions and maybe yuletide stuff because i don't know about you guys but i always feel like christmas has turned into a lot of gift giving yeah i yeah it definitely depending on your like practices and beliefs like for example i'm christian so like the secular side of christmas isn't really like my family's thing so Mm -hmm. it's more of just being together and going to church together i love that and celebrating like the birth of christ but then there's a flip of that like i think some people for example if they don't like have religious holidays they just like the time to spend together Mm. it's like a nice lovely festive time regardless even if you just celebrate like secular christmas in the sense of giving and not getting rather yeah. than just like getting I like, think it's still a beautiful very, holiday yeah. yeah very mo- much more important and I always find like I don't know all the lights at night just be kind really of happy yeah <laughs> I'm say cheer I love going for like walks with like my hot yeah. chocolate and going to look at all the lights that everybody decorates with yeah. so and I find like now even more so with COVID people have been decorating a lot more because that's all you can really do now is just like drive around and look at pretty lights and (laughs) all those little blow up figurines now (laughs) there's like one yard here that has like 10 of them every season they have like 10 different blow up figurines oh my god they take up the whole yard and i love it you should drive by my house we don't have blow up figurines but we have some um lit up dash and christmas ornaments wearing christmas hats and sweaters oh we have to go (laughs) That reminds me, I need to get on to my Christmas lights. I, already, I put two sets of lights up. I don't know if yeah. they were even lit tonight on my two bushes. And then I still have to do my apple tree and put the deer out. We could, like, attract the real deer into our yard. Yeah, I do with the bird feeder. They scare me at, like, 2 or 3 a.m. when they're walking around. I'm like, what's that outside? And it's just a deer. And I'm like, ah, a short giraffe. What is it doing here? There's too many times during night. And they come out, like, a lot more at night. Yeah. And, like, in gangs. Yeah. A gang gang of cameras. The deer. I remember like Brian, you were driving and I was like, dear, and you didn't even like, oh, I, I forgot that they were in town again. There was a time I was driving and what was it Edmonton or something? And I just like flinched like the way we were driving because I saw something flash. And I'm like, automatically you're from cameras, you think like deer on the road. <laughs> so, thankfully, I mean, a good thing I had reflexes. It was a human crossing highway, but you know still scared either way yeah <laughs> but yeah well i hope everybody has good holidays and uh-huh. from all of us at rocky mountain cryptids yes and yeah. happy holidays merry yule <laughs> happy christmas happy hanukkah <laughs> <laughs> merry kwanzaa <laughs> A very festive holiday we'll see you guys in the new year